This is Gulf Coast Life Arts Edition from WGCU. I'm John Davis. Thanks for joining us. Players Circle Theater in Fort Myers is currently running a production of playwright David Auburn's mystery drama, Proof. This highly regarded play garnered both the Pulitzer Prize and Tony Award for Best Play in 2001, among several other awards. The engaging narrative of Proof explores themes of complex family dynamics, including father-daughter and sister-sibling relationships, mental illness, the nature of genius, sexism in academia, and the power of love. The show is running now through March 3rd. Today, we're taking a deeper dive into the play and this production with Players Circle Theater co-founder and producing artistic director Bob Cassiopo. Bob, welcome back to Gulf Coast Live Arts Edition. Always great to be on this show. And uh, we're also speaking with uh, one of the stars of the play, Stephen Coe. He plays the role of Hal. Stephen's numerous theater credits include roles in Theater Conspiracy's production of Clown Bar, Noises Off, Save Hamlet, and Botticelli in the Fire through Lab Theater, and Murder at the Howard Johnson's, The Foreigner, and Lifespan of a Fact at Players Circle Theater, and many, many more productions that are just simply too numerous to list here or we'd be here the entire show. <laughs> Stephen Coe, welcome back to Gulf Coast Live Arts Edition. Thank you very much. Always happy to be here. And I want to note that uh, Stephen is joined by co-stars Chloe Elliott-Chan, who plays the role of Catherine in the play, along with John McCarrow in the role of the father, Robert, and Angela Watson in the role of Catherine's older sister, Claire. Now, Bob, in my introduction, I, I didn't provide much in a way of a synopsis. So I, to start off, can you just briefly set up what the narrative in Proof is all about? Wow. Well... <laughs> It deals with so much. It's such a rich play. But uh, basically, uh, in uh, the late 1700s, the greatest math proof ever written was written by a woman named Sophie Germain. It, it was connected with prime numbers. And since then, in the last 300 years, uh, 200 years, they've been trying to create the next number. And this is about uh, – it's a proof has been found that maybe that mathematicians have been working on for hundreds of years, maybe the greatest find in math history in hundreds of years. And uh, the question is, who wrote it? Uh, the play is also about, uh, we all know the movie Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe. Yes. The play is loosely based on John Nash, the brilliant mathematician that Russell Crowe plays in that, uh, who was a uh, change math, math forever, but was also a schizophrenic. And the father, Robert, in this play, this is where you say genius, you know, uh, and insanity, mental illness, the father is suffering like John Nash was from a, a form of schizophrenia. Uh, and it's about his life and his daughter, who has inherited his math genius, and she knows she's inherited his math genius, but she fears that she has also inherited his uh, tendency towards insanity, to mental illness. So it really is, you know, it's funny, you know, people, audiences sometimes will shy away from drama. Eh, they have enough drama in their own life. And one of the things about this show, first of all, it gets lots of laughs. It, it's not we're, we're advertising it now, not as a who done it, but a who wrote it. Mm -hmm. And 
um, uh, Stephen's character, Hal, is uh, a professor at the University of Chicago. It all takes place in Chicago. Plenty of jokes about the Cubs losing and, and bad football in Chicago. Uh, but Stephen is a mathematician that is going over the works of uh, this John Nash character, and he discovers this brilliant proof. All right. And so then the question becomes... Who wrote it? Yes, <laughs> uh, and also you know it's about um, it's about siblings, it's about sisters, it's about this very loving, beautiful relationship between Catherine and her father Robert. So it's very much you know uh, I've always discovered uh, you know in the theaters that I run here in Southwest Florida that people really glum on to shows about family. And at the heart of the show, it's a show about family. Often the older sibling is the domineering sibling yeah. and the love between the uh, the girl and her father. And it's just a fantastic play. And it's also very much uh, has a theme in it about sexism. Yeah. Uh, that uh, in, today, in today's math world, almost everyone are men. And the thought that a woman could not write this. And in fact, Sophie Germain, uh, back who was born in 1776, uh, no one believed that she wrote this math proof. And she wrote to a famous mathematician, Gauss, mm -hmm. Gauss and she used a male name. And when he got the proof that she wrote using a male name, all of a sudden it was valid. So it's, there's a whole theme in the play that women are, are not capable of this kind of high-level thinking. And, and to his credit, Gauss, whenever her true identity was revealed, kind of stuck by her. So that Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. He yeah. wrote her, you know, when, <laughs> what a gigantic achievement this is, especially for the sex that we would not expect this to come from. Yeah, and again, I was telling Stephen um, before we started, I, I had watched the film adaptation. I haven't seen your production right. yet, uh, but the one with Anthony Hopkins, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jake Gyllenhaal, and I don't know if this holds true in the play, but Catherine directly um, references uh, Sophie and Jermaine uh, and, and... Yeah, that's and, all in there. And that, your, that's and, all the same. Okay, and, and your character is like, oh, I don't think I've met her. And she's like, well, you wouldn't. She's been dead for hundreds of years. Yes, right, exactly. <laughs> and it's... Uh, well, and it's... He's a lovable dork. He's a, <laughs> he's a great little nerd that uh, definitely stumbles into things like that. <laughs> and it was... Uh, no, that's that's in there. And that's, that, and that's to what Bob was saying as well. It, it's one of those things where it's a really layered show. It's yeah. brilliant. There is a reason it won the Pulitzer. And it is one of those things where, yeah, it has this interesting, fascinating mystery to it. But at the same time, it's not an alienating level of math. <laughs> it, okay. It's not one of those things where people yeah. would be... If you know what a prime number is, if you have a basic idea of what a mathematical proof is, you're going to be fine. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And it's it's one of those things where anything you need to know is pretty much explained there. And it is it is fascinating for, for what David Auburn wrote, for not having a background in math. Hmm. The irony is it's just like looking into it, doing the research, everything he mentions about the prime numbers and the equations and stuff like that, you don't need to know it, but it all tracks. It's it all, all consistent. It's, and it all connects with it. the okay. it all connects with the historical figures with Gauss and Sophie Germain. Uh, but there's it's it's such a play of parallels with that between Sophie Germain and Catherine's character and um and the the father and the daughter and uh, just all these interesting things. But it is it's like Bob said, it's 
there is such a great heart to the show. Uh, and it's so brilliant. It's so funny at different points. And that is one of those moments of just like, oh, yeah, no, I definitely never met her. She's, yeah, she's been dead for <laughs> hundreds yeah. of years. And uh, there, we've had great audience reactions with that in terms of the comedy. And it's, it, there's, there's a little something for everyone there. It, it's, it's brilliant. It's brainy. It's engaging and it's dramatic. But it's, uh, it's definitely a great show. Yeah. And Bob, I know your relationship with this production goes back, you know, more than two decades. Uh, you directed it kind of what, like two years after it premiered? Yeah, I directed it at Florida Rep, uh, I think in 2001, uh, right after it premiered. Had a great production, but it's really funny. Uh, it's sort of artistic death to try to copy anything. Mm-hmm. Like if I saw, I didn't see the movie, but if I saw the movie and try to copy that or try to copy or even try to copy myself, uh, like we did very different things in that last production, which was done on a forty-foot wide proscenium in a four hundred-seat house. Now all of a sudden, we are doing the play in a hundred and fifteen-seat theater, uh, in three quarters, where the audience is literally at times five, ten feet from the action in a very intimate setting, where an eyebrow being raised, where where a, 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 the slightest gesture can be seen. It's it's completely different and really uh, I, I think a wonderful way to experience and and our our staff has done a tremendous job uh, creating our very naturalistic set. And we also have a very clever thing that we have a series of projectors, and there are nine scenes in this play, and we came up with the idea, and our staff has executed it, of between the scenes, all of a sudden, in the 30 seconds as the actors are changing their costumes or new props are brought out, all of a sudden, on the walls of the theater and the set, math equations start coming up, and they surround the audience with math equations, and all of a sudden, or sometimes, the math equations are being erased. And then sometimes uh, Catherine is maybe reading a note that her father wrote her. But while she's reading it, we see the note appearing on the Hmm. wall. So it's actually a beautifully executed uh, production that I think people will find exciting. And I also think one – like again, the elements of this play that – everyone can relate to, and we talked about siblings, uh, is the daughter-father relationship. Because in America, very much today, the older sister who does not live in Chicago thinks we should have put dad in a home. Mm -hmm. Dad, just put him away. Give him professional care. Lock him away. Where the younger sister sacrificed eight years of her life staying at home, not going to school, and caring for her father. And I think that's a a very interesting thing that happens that the one sibling says, no, I want to care for my father. He cared for me. He gave me so much. And the other sibling says, no, put him in a home where he can get professional care. Yeah, yeah. And and then just the... the how that dynamic continues to grow. I mean, I mean, the resentment Catherine's character must feel for whose sister who exactly. lives in New York and moved on with her life. And you know. Exactly. So, Stephen, I wanted to talk to you about stepping into the role of how. I imagine, I don't know, when you have a lot personally in common with a character, it's kind of easy to embody them. When you're nothing like a character, it's probably a, a, a fun challenge, but a completely different experience. As you've gone through just, you know, memorizing lines, the whole rehearsal process, tell us about your relationship with Hal, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So with that, I, I will say 
to your point, uh, I do always like to pursue things that are difficult. I always do like to do very long pieces of very focused things. And that's that's one of these things where it's a four-person cast and everyone has tons of lines, uh, least of all Chloe, who's like every other line in the entire show. But uh, with that, no, I love transformative things, but sometimes it can be almost more difficult if if you are so close to the character because you're trying to differentiate. You're just not trying to just come out there and uh, do whatever, <laughs> do yourself. Right. But uh, at the same time, no, with Hal, uh, it's it's been a lot of trying to find the maturity of that professor and the braininess of that and the math and the confidence of that while at the same time trying to be a little bit smooth because he's also a drummer in a math band <laughs> and it's uh, this uh, really interesting dichotomy. I think there was uh, a quote that, that you had told me that really helped out where it was he kind of proves to us immediately that he's a total math geek and then he spends time dispelling that he's a math geek. Uh-huh. And it was that interesting kind of thing where there's the quirks and the emotions and love that he has for Catherine and the relationship there while also trying to be true to the math and the work and figure out this incredible discovery that he found that's like finding the holy grail in a in a pile of <laughs> old antiques just like oh good god what have i found here and uh for the prep for that it's like i said i, I did a, actually look through everything that he mentions in terms of um, elliptic curves modular forms all the little bits and pieces and all the the mathematicians because you know it's always good <laughs> whenever uh Whatever there's anything like that mentioned that you don't recognize as an actor, you always want to know what you're talking about, especially if you're supposed to be a professor, if you're supposed to be a brilliant person. So so there's that aspect of it. But then uh, we spent a lot of time with the script as well, which, like I said, there's a reason it won the Pulitzer. It's, it is a dense script that is just – there's still stuff, even in performances now, that we're, like, making connections of, like, oh, my God, that's so – brilliant that they mention this later and a lot of repeated words that connect the characters in terms of things that Hal says and the dad says. Um, But we were really specific to be definite with the punctuation and the little interrupts that are there and keep the pace up, but then just really, truly do justice to the piece. And so that, that was a lot of work to, uh, to get all that precise, I, I think it was. Uh, I think the rule of thumb there is about 120 hours of rehearsal. You know, I was just going to bring that up. People yeah. always ask me, "How long do you rehearse a play?" And the rule of thumb is, we rehearse a play one hour for every minute. Mm-hmm. So, in a two-hour play, and this is Act One is 65 minutes, Act Two is 55 minutes. Uh, we rehearsed 120 hours, probably, and that's not counting the hundred hours stuff that, you do at home. That they we, do at yeah. home. Oh, yeah, <laughs> or we research and uh, the kitchen table acting, right, yeah. right. And, and usually, uh, the way I work is, we spend four days not getting up on our feet sitting around a table going through the punctuation. But this was fun. We had a show running at the theater, and and we rehearsed this show for the first two weeks outdoors at my house. Uh, and the play takes place outdoors in Chicago in September, so 60-degree weather, and it turned out it was 60-degree weather. There's One time there's a love scene between Chloe and Steven. Oh, it was and fantastic. We, we, were, yeah. we were outside, and there was a moon, moonlight soaring <laughs> in, lighting them up, and it was something I think we always will remember. But uh, also one thing, you know, you're a little bit, for those 120 hours of rehearsals, you're a little bit in a void. Yeah. I mean, it's just the four of you, the stage manager, the director. So it's six of us doing it. 
And when we got in front of an audience, wow, it was like 10 minutes into the play, there's a shocking moment, and the audience, like, gasp. And at the end of Act 1, there's a really shocking moment, and the whole audience, and watching an audience, you know, in a play like this, uh, Lerner from Lerner and Lowe said, coughing in the theater isn't an epidemic, it's a criticism. Oh, and I always love that. So when I'm doing a play like this, I'm watching the audience. Are they restless? Are they looking at that playbill? Are they coughing? And night after night, audiences are perched on the edge of their seat, partly because we have a wonderful cast and it's a wonderful production, but it's really such a brilliant play. All right. If you're just joining the show, Players Circle Theater in Fort Myers is currently running a production of the Pulitzer and Tony Award-winning mystery drama Proof. We're speaking with the company's producing artistic director, Bob Cassioppo, along with cast member Stephen Coe. If you'd like to comment on our conversation or engage with fellow listeners, find us on Facebook. We're at WGCU Public Media. On X, we're at WGCU. Use the hashtag GCL. So, Stephen, the other day I was just making a bunch of connections in my mind going like, okay, I see a lot of local theater. It's an occupational hazard. Um, <laughs> I know you've done at least two shows in the past with Chloe. Um, you you starred opposite Angela Watson and Murder at the Howard Johnson. Um, she and John McCarrow were in um, A Curious Incident of the Dog. And, and so I'm going, okay, these guys all know each other, more or less. Yeah. You, um, does that make it easier? Or when it's a cast of four, when you're putting so much work in together, you're going to build that rapport anyway, I guess. Um, little column A, little column B. It, it is definitely one of those things where it helps when you already know those dynamics, when you already know how someone works. Because everyone has their own process. It's like the way that I memorize and work on lines is it's very Meisner style. It comes of that tradition, uh, that kind of school of acting. Um, everyone has their own process. Everyone has their own rituals at, before a show. But no, it definitely helps to have rapport. Uh, and it's... Uh, and. Chloe is such a fantastic actress. We first worked together for uh, Les Liaisons Dangereux at the lab, or Dangerous Liaisons. Yes. <laughs> and, um, uh, and I think that was where you first saw her, Bob. And, um, it, it, and it's, it's always great to get to work with people again. And it's the same thing with Angela. It's actually the first time I've worked with John. Okay. Uh, we've seen each other in tons of things. We know a lot of the same people. It's like you said, it's occupational hazard. But, yeah. uh, uh, but no, it is great to, uh, to work with such a great experience cast that really respects respects the piece respects the work and uh no and it's but at the same time to your question yeah it's you spend these 120 hours with four people (laughs) you're you're gonna get to know each other anyways it's always a really bonding experience and i think that's what draws a lot of people to theater too is, is that there is that sense of family that kind of communal purpose that um, it, it truly is a wonderful thing. Get to know people and uh, sink or swim. So, yeah. yeah. Bob. I, I've always uh, based, whether it was in the late 80s and early 90s on Sanibel or uh, uh, at Florida Rep, I've always wanted to create an ensemble. And it started in 1992. I was doing a production of Hasty Heart. And I had a guy... Uh, who was on Broadway in Grapes of Wrath with the whole Steppenwolf group. And I said, what was it like to work with them? You know, Gary Sinise and Joan Allen, all these people. And he said, it was amazing because these guys knew each other since high school and the communication (coughs) happened so quickly. 
And we are now forming a new ensemble, whatever. This is Stephen and I's fourth show. I absolutely think Chloe is a major talent. John, this is our third show together. Angela, our fourth show. Uh, Carrie, of course, is our leading lady. But to get a group of 18, 20, and then it's fun for the audience as they see our shows to yes. say, wow, they, they just thought he could do farce. You know, or Ted Weinsack, who was, uh, you know, so good in, 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 in comedies and dramas that all of a sudden you're hearing him sing. But so I think audiences become fans <coughs> of oh, the yeah. ensemble. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I think, you know, when you share a common language and often when you get strangers in a room, it takes four or five days to create a sense of trust. Like, is this director know what he does? Is this act, you know, is mm-hmm. this person? And all of a sudden, from day one, minute one of rehearsal, you sort of hit the ground running. So to me, ensemble is where the best work comes from. Yeah. You know, we talked a bit about the relationship dynamics of the characters and proof. And it got me thinking, do you think that there's something about this play that might particularly resonate with local audiences. And by that, I just mean Southwest Florida has long since been in a situation where the need for mental health services has has, has far outstripped what's actually available. Um, it's also a place where we have a lot of older people and the, you know, the, the older age demographic is big here. That means you've got a lot of adult caretakers and spouse caretakers of, of people with dementia. Um, and then, of course, also just the family dynamic between the sisters and the resentment over, you know, what we're going to do with dad. I mean, this seems to me like something that folks here are going to have kind of had their own firsthand experiences about that they're going to be thinking about and putting into their experience of the show. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, I think we obviously, you know, it's about math yeah. and a proof and, and all of that. But certainly the most important element of the play, it's about family. Mm. And it's about a father that needs help, that needs caring for, and a younger sister that feels the family needs to take care of him. That's and another sister that feels no. And and I think that is something, I think the family element, and there's a love element in this play, that is, and we care for the characters. So in the end, it's not like, in the end of this play, it's not like Willie Loman goes and gasses himself in the garage, but rather it's a happy ending in that someone got through this long, difficult road in her life Catherine and comes out the other end triumphant. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I definitely, I, I 100% agree. It's going to be sadly relevant to a lot of people. And it's, and that's part of those audience interactions where, you know, at the same time, as much as you try and keep that fourth wall, as much as you try and focus on what you're doing, you can't help but hear it when people laugh and when people gasp. And there's been so many moments in the play where I could just, I could tell. I could hear people's heart break and they would something would be mentioned about the process mm. that the dad went through and the kind of decline and you just hear people sighing and it's just like, like sighs of recognition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like and it almost gives you pause as an actor where you're just like, Oh God. Yeah. yeah. And it's but it's and for a show written in around 2000, uh, it, it was really ahead of its time there with exactly like you said, with the mental health services, because at the core of the story is this beautiful relationship with this father and this daughter. And we get to see them in the good times and the happiness and the joy of that, but also in the decline and the sacrifices she makes and then her own concerns about her own mental health. And if it is a hereditary thing on where she's going to go, but that 
aspect of caregiving and the decline and really sticking by someone in the toughest times uh, of their life. It's uh, it's very sadly relevant for a lot of audience members. And I think it's like I said, there's there's a good heart to the show. And I think a lot of people will relate to that. So, and yeah. sadly, in America, not just Southwest Florida, the thought of a child taking care of a parent is getting rarer and rarer mm -hmm. that, you know, I mean, it's it, it, like we are now, there are so many assisted livings at homes where that wasn't the case. Certainly when I grew up, my grandmother lived upstairs. My right. aunt lived there. Family took care of family. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, I wanted to talk a bit about the set. We did talk about those beautiful projections. Um, but you built a whole house in this black box theater. <laughs> Yep. No, it's amazing. You wouldn't want to live there because the plumbing is bad. But, uh, but we literally have a two-story, 18-foot house with a second floor. It's the back of a house. Uh, at different times, uh, just because of the beauty of it, at different times, there are leaf drops set in the ceiling. So at different poignant moments, like five or six leaves come down. The 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 You know, it's in the fall uh, it takes place. It, it actually takes place over a four-year period going back and forth in time. But uh, our crew did an amazing job because we were just in hippie land in a Greenwich Village apartment with butterflies of free with hippie you know, murals painted all over the walls. So now we transformed the place to Chicago, an old house uh, near the University of Chicago. And, you know, our guys did an absolutely stunning job. And, you know, it's funny. Theater is one of the few businesses that are handmade. Today, like, practically nothing is handmade. There is nothing in theater that isn't touched. Every single prop, every piece of wood, every piece of steel, even actually we bought 8,000 leaves. <laughs> Uh, and and the leaves were too bright, so every leaf was stained to look be made darker. So like, there's very few handmade businesses, but theater is one of those. And and you know, handmade that every word, as Stephen said, every comma, every dash, every pause, we examined and and hopefully honor that Auburn has put in there. Bob, at the old venue in North Fort Myers, if you were putting on this show. I'm imagining you would not have been able to approach the set the way you were able to. Uh, it would have been impossible because we had 10-foot-high ceilings. Same thing with the small theater uh, at Florida Rep. Uh, but this theater has 32-foot soaring ceilings, a lighting grid at 16 feet. This set actually goes above the lighting grid. When they put the set in, they had to cut a notch to fit the set in. But uh, no, it, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful, comfortable space. As you know, the space is on McGregor Boulevard, right opposite the landings, very near Gulf Harbor. Great. It's just a beautiful new location. And this we are, is your fourth production there. This is our fourth production there. A little bit of a rebuilding, a reboot. You know, it, it took us three years, but we were finally getting audiences in North Fort Myers. But now I feel like I'm coming back to the hood <laughs> because for uh, for 10 years we ran theaters on Sanibel and for 20 years we ran Florida Rep. And this theater is sort of situated right in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, just a sweet, sweet spot. And there are no real arts organizations in this area. So it's so cool to have a theater on McGregor Boulevard. 
Well, that is about all the time we have for today's conversation. But are there any final thoughts you want to leave with our listeners about this production of Proof? What do you want audiences to walk away still talking about or thinking about after the show? Well, you know, every I I try to do a wide variety of plays. And every year I try to do something of substance. And this happens to be something of substance that also has great heart, humor, and is a mystery. All right. Well, I cannot wait to see it. Thank you so much to my guests. We've been speaking with Players Circle Theater co-founder and producing artistic director Bob Cassioppo, along with actor Stephen Coe, who plays the role of Hal in this currently running production of the Pulitzer and Tony award-winning mystery drama Proof. The show runs through March 3rd. Tuesday through Saturday shows start at 7.30 p.m. There's also Sunday matinee performances at 3 p.m. And for more about the show or to secure your tickets, visit Player Circle Theater or call the box office, 239-800-3292. Bob, Stephen, thanks so much for taking the time. What a pleasure. Thank you. Always a pleasure. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website, wgcu.org slash gcl, or subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Our show today was produced by Jared Gonzalez and yours truly. Our director is Richard Chenqui. Our social media coordinator is Bianca Massoni. For now, thanks for listening. I'm John Davis. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for Southwest Florida.